Welcome to Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. Time to call in with your gripes, opinions, theories, and conspiracies. Here's your chance. Don't blow it. Only on News Radio 890 949 KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Good morning to you. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning into the program this morning. Hope to hear from you today. Lines are wide open right now at 435-673-5890 on this open line Friday. If you'd like to text into the program, maybe you don't want to talk on the air, but you want your opinion to be heard, you can text me at 435-467-5842. It's funny, this job that I have is... uh, It's a social job, obviously. I'm talking to you. You're listening to me. We get some feedback. We get some phone calls and texts. But truth of the matter is, especially since uh, I lost my news director, uh, it's kind of a solitary job in in actuality. I am in a room, literally in a room by myself with very little interaction with other humans for about five hours every morning uh, from five to ten. Uh, it goes beyond that. I have duties, obviously, after. Uh, but uh, you know, to me, it's, it's kind of a weird deal. Uh, but having said that, today's impossible question got folks around the uh, around the office a little fired up. Uh, today's impossible question was: twenty uh, percent of us do this every single day. Uh, what is it? And the answer was: uh, we eat a bowl of cereal every day. I had made, in order to try to get a winner, I had thrown some hints out there. I said, I do not do this every day. In fact, I might do it once a week. Uh, And, uh, you know, that had a a few people, uh, once I gave the answer, saying, what? You don't eat cereal every day? What are you, nuts? (laughs) Or grape nuts or something like that? And the answer is, well, no, I'm I'm not nuts or grape nuts. I just don't. uh, To me, so growing up, cereal was unsweetened. Now, yeah, most of you that are my age or, or close to my age or, or older, uh, there weren't a ton of choices out there. You had, you know, rice puffs, unsweetened. You had, I think Cheerios came along pretty early on. Uh, there was, I think, sugar pops or something like that was one of the first sweetened cereals, but they were expensive. Uh, so I grew up on unsweetened cereal. Now, every, I swear every table in America had a bowl of sugar, but some with a lid, some with not, always a spoon in it, because you couldn't these you couldn't eat the cereal without a little bit of sugar added to it. And of course, when we were kids, we would uh, take the spoon and we'd shovel about four spoonfuls of sugar on our cereal, uh, thus creating. Of course, the cereal was slightly sweetened, but they, it created this milk cereal goo at the end of the bowl, uh, which. Uh, most smart people would throw away. Some of us would stir the goo around a little bit and then actually drink the sugar milk goo. Uh, and you wonder why I had a kidney stone, right? Uh, but anyway, um, cereal was not then what it is now. Uh, it was very, very different, as a matter of fact. And, and so uh, I kind of treat cereal as a special kind of I mean, because, you know, now now my wife buys, uh, we buy, you know, stuff that the kids liked, uh, you know, Reese's Puffs and, I don't know, there's s'mores cereal. Yeah, I don't know if you ever had s'mores cereal. It's like golden grams with chocolate balls with little mini marshmallows. I mean, they've gotten very creative with the way, way the cereal is made now. And, and so 
for me, uh, once a week, a bowl of cereal just because it's it's like a treat. It's I, actually it's like a dessert, really, more than a, more than a, a food. <laughs> and uh, most of the time, cereal actually has less calories. So if you had an actual s'more with graham crackers, chocolate, and marshmallow, or you had a bowl of s'more cereal, you'd actually there'd be a lot fewer calories in the s'more cereal than if you actually ate the s'more. So you might as well and get the same taste and, and maybe even get a little more full with, with s'mores cereal. This is not a commercial, by the way, for s'mores cereal or Reese's Puffs or anything like that. I'm just saying that uh, uh, around the office here, it's been bouncing around. Well, who eats cereal? How many of you eat some? Why don't you eat cereal every day? What's wrong with you? The other reason I don't really eat cereal every day is I come to work at 4.30 in the morning. And uh, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't want to eat at 4.30. I don't know anybody that wants to eat at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I, I wait till I get off the air before I even attempt to eat anything. And at that point, it's really too late to be eating cereal, right? You get off the air at 1030 or whatever. I don't know. That's just my theory on, uh, on today's impossible question of the day. If you have not tuned into it, basically I reveal the impossible question of the day every day at 620. And again, at 720, we take guesses via text only throughout the, uh, throughout the morning. And uh, and then we uh, there's always a prize associated with the impossible question of the day. And the person that gets it right wins a prize. For instance, today's prize was uh, MVP treatment at Sports Clips. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get anybody with the right answer today. I guess my impossible question was, in fact, impossible to get right because nobody got it right. But if you want to play, I, I usually I generally reveal the answer right around 820. So 620 and 720, we talk about it. 820, we give the answer. And uh, like I said, there are prices involved. It's kind of fun. It's been a fun new tradition here at KDXU. I've been doing it now for, I want to say, three, four, five months, something like that. Uh, it is Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show today. But in order for that to work, you've got to pick up the phone and call into the show, 435-673-5890. Although it is worth mentioning that uh, you could text into the program if you would prefer to text um, Let's see. Uh, we've got some text. We've got some phone call. Let's start with Seth. Seth likes to lead things off on Friday. Seth, what's up, man? Oh, well, um, I missed part of the dialogue, but are we talking about the milk and cereal for breakfast? Well, yeah, I just, you know, it was kind of bouncing around the, the, uh, the Cherry Creek offices this morning, and so I was actually being criticized because I didn't eat cereal every day, so... <laughs> That's a good thing I don't work there. I can't remember in 40 or 50 years eating cereal and milk for breakfast. Really? Because, yeah, I, I found out at 30 that milk was my biggest enemy. Oh, a little lactose intolerance type situation, huh? Well, I don't know if it's a lactose or the protein or what it is, but it caused uh, the initial... Um, bacterial pneumonia, which gave way to viral pneumonia five in a row. Ouch. And then after 35% of my lungs are gone, it dawned on me it was uh, milk Uh. and dairy products. And uh, name the only animal on the planet, mammals with mammary glands, name the only uh, mammal that never is weaned. Never is weaned. I I do not know the answer to that. You. Me? 
Because I drink milk from another animal? Well, that's even worse. <laughs> because it, the only kind of uh, uh, milk that's uh, ordained by our Creator is mother's milk. That's true. Okay, that's so true. would mom want, like you to follow her around for uh, 70, 80, 90, 100 years and consume her milk? No, no, she says enough is enough. We, we're we're going to move on to solid food, whatever. But in reality, we're talking about uh, um, liquid meat. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, I have a friend who is a vegan, and uh, for a long time, now we, we I wouldn't say we're not friends anymore, but we kind of have different circles of interest now. But uh, when we work together and we're friends, uh, he used to give me a hard time all the time about milk. He called it, uh, what did he used to say? Yeah, you like drinking blood and pus from another creature, don't you? And, uh, of course, then I would shoot back to him, hey, yeah, I'm on my way to get a frozen blood and pus treat with uh, Reese's peanut butter cups in it. Uh, you want one? And, of course, he would say, no, I, I do not. And yeah. Let's add one to your, uh, to his criticism. Uh, how about um, um, cow sweat? Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that might have gotten me if we'd have gone there. Well, it's part of, it's a, in the advanced honors biology, one of the first questions in the oral exam is define uh, milk, and it's a modified sweat. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, it's really, uh, from another species, uh, all milk is species specific. Cow's milk, deer's milk, elephant milk, all, when you analyze them, they have different constituents. The perfect one for humans is human milk. Of course. And, and you know, breastfeeding babies, it got to the point where babies were fed formula. Right. And I remember when my when, when our babies were young, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, formula is such a convenient thing, such a nice thing for young parents. But uh, the doctors warned us, say, look, if you if you can breastfeed, breastfeed, don't don't give your kids formula. It's you know, if you can help it, keep them on the breast milk. So, well, and, and they have lactation specialists, nurses, RNs, advanced kind of people who teach lactation in the hospital. Sure. Sure, okay, that. well, that didn't used to happen, and, you know, there are problems. Uh, my, my children were breastfed, but my fair-skinned, red-headed wife, uh, she had troubles with her nipples bleeding. Yeah, okay. okay so, I, think we, I think we've gone off off the rails a little too far. Uh, it was, it, by yeah. the way, it's all your fault. It's my fault. Yeah, I, because, I because you're, not drink, you're not having your cold <laughs> cereal. I know, there have been razzing me all morning. Bears in it. I think maybe you needed to be disciplined for your deviance. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all locked step. We all have to do exactly the same thing. But typically, uh, I have fruit and nuts and um, maybe some tea. Um, and um, I avoid completely. Uh, and I find that the nutrition in most cereals that taste good is pathetic. It's yeah. mostly sugar, yep. and and so then you add sugar to, and you end up with ice cream that you're having for breakfast. <laughs> so much along it. with a bunch of stuff, and the wheat has got the Roundup on it. Oh boy, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And All right, Seth, 
Seth, we're grossing people out now. We got I'm, we got to move on, and it's my fault. You're right. Yes. Okay. So we're going to blame you, and okay. if anybody calls, say it was my fault. It's my fault. All right. Thanks, Seth. Appreciate you it. You bet. <laughs> Uh, a little lighthearted here to start the show, but uh, again, uh, uh, a couple of things that I wanted to bring up today, and we would love to get your thoughts and comments on them. Uh, I, I was going over, uh, so I assume, okay, you listen to this show, you know that we have a high standard of, of things. I believe, uh, right off the bat, I believe we should be involved in our children's lives as best we can. Now, I'm not naive and stupid and say, well, you know, blanket coverage. Everyone should do everything, be be completely 100% involved in every second of their of their kids' lives. I'm not that naive. I, that's impossible. I understand that. But as my kids went through, and, and we lived in, uh, while my kids were being raised, we lived in a relatively uh, modest neighborhood. Uh, I would say a lower middle class uh, neighborhood. The school that my kids attended, the elementary school, there were a lot of low-income people. Uh, and, and sadly to me, uh, as I would go and, and speak with my kids' children, uh, my, my kids' teachers, uh, they would be stunned that I was here. They, they would, they, that was there. You know, they'd be like, oh, well, we didn't expect too many parents to show up tonight. Uh, and, and the parents that did show up quite often were, and this is coming from the teachers and I'm not going to, uh, indict, you know, the, the, the parents, I'm not going to say what location I'm just, I'm just telling you that, uh, there were a lot of parents who were quite frankly, they were kind of kids themselves and, and maybe not even age wise, but maturity wise, they cared more about, uh, how they looked about what they got to do on the weekends about, uh, you know, what sort of alcoholic drink they could drink or what, what tattoo they could put onto their bodies. That was more important to them than whether or not their kids were actually learning and growing and progressing. And it was frustrating to me. It was frustrating to the teachers that I knew that worked at the school. And um, I had one teacher tell me, I'll never, never forget this, she came up to me and, and, you know, we were talking kind of about this, what we're talking about right now. And she said, I honestly thought being an educator that it was going to be about teaching kids. And what I'm finding out, unfortunately, and I think she was a first grade teacher maybe, she said a lot of what I do is, is babysitting, is the, the parents, the feeling I get from some of the parents, not all, but some of the parents is, I can't wait to get the kid to school so I don't have to keep an eye on him for six or eight hours. And she said they would, you know, some kids would come to school and they're not, not dressed properly. They hadn't brushed their teeth in a week. They, you know, didn't, didn't have their hair brushed. They, they, they didn't have the basics taken care of in their life. And, and when you ask them, well, you know, do you not, you know, do you, do you not have money? Are you, you guys struggling financially? The kids would say, no, my parents were busy this morning or my, my mom was asleep or my dad was was out still and it was it was really again frustrating to me my kids were through this first 5 6 years of elementary school my kids were regularly at the top of their class and i say this not to brag because my kids are brilliant i say this because my kids were normal 
My kids, if we were put into a upper middle class school, they would be average. They would be middle, maybe upper middle, but middle part of the class as far as grades and things and, and learning. But in that school, my kids were right there at the very top over in all, all five of my kids. And it was, to me, it was not a sign of, Hey, I have smart kids and I do. I love my kids and I think they're brilliant because I'm pretty biased, but it was, it was a sign to me that there was something wrong. There was something going on at that school and, and at a lot of our schools. And, and it was, again, it was parents who, or grandparents, I suppose, who were so relieved to have the kids gone so they could have a break that they didn't, they didn't really care if the kids learned anything in school. All they cared about was, I don't have to watch him for a while. Oh, man, the frustration. So uh, recently, like yesterday, day before yesterday, uh, Secretary, Education Secretary Miguel Car- Cardona uh, said this on record in front of Congress, said parents should, shouldn't be the primary stakeholder in their kids' education. Parents shouldn't have a say in what their kids are being taught in school. You start thinking about, now what? And what is the source of this kind of statement? Uh, And, you know, there's a lot lot of ways we can go with this. Number one, uh, who does he think he is, right? That's my first gut reaction. But uh, number two is maybe... If, if this guy, and I don't know anything about Cardonia, uh, but maybe if he's been an educator, educator or been in the education system, maybe he saw a lot of what I saw when my kids were young. Parents who didn't really care about education, didn't really care that their kids were learning. Now, I hesitate to make this general blanket you know, statement about parents and about educators and about school. There were certainly kids who excelled despite their parents. There were certainly parents who did care and tried. But they were the exception, not the rule. And so for, for me, I'm like, okay, this guy makes this statement and says, well, parents shouldn't have any say in what their kids learn. And, and my first reaction as an involved parent who was there trying to help my kids be educated, uh, you know, doing drills with them, helping them with their times tables or their spelling tests, uh, I was, I was, when I, when he first said it, I was offended. I was like, what are you talking about? I should have every say in what's being taught to my child. But, but as I sat there and I thought about it, I thought, you know, I, I actually can see a little bit of where he's coming from, not because we shouldn't have any say in what our kids learn, but because there are so darn many parents out there who really don't care what our kids learn, who really don't care what happens between 750 when the bell rings and 320 or 250 or whenever the final bell rings, they don't care. They're not going to volunteer in the classroom. They're not going to uh, go to a school board meeting or be on the PTA. They're not going to review curriculum or worry about SAGE or whatever the, you know, the minimal testing uh, results that are required are, are out there. They don't care about that stuff. All they care about is, Hey, Johnny leaves at 7.30, walks to school. I don't have to think about him again until 3.30. I got seven hours off, man. All right. Maybe I go to work. 
Maybe I don't work. Who knows nowadays? And uh, and so as I as I delve deeper into Mister Cardonia's uh, thoughts, I, I still am offended. I still disagree wholeheartedly that parents, in fact, should not shouldn't have a say in what is taught to our kids. But if we don't care, if there's enough parents out there, or you know, if you're a grandparent raising your grandchild and you're too tired to care that much, uh, then people like Cardania are going to say, hey, or Cardonia, I guess is his name, anyway, going to say, hey, you don't have a say because you don't care. And we're going to teach them whatever the heck we want to teach them, critical race theory or, uh, you know, that they can choose what gender they want to be, that kind of stuff. And, and uh, if we don't care about what they're being taught, if we don't help them learn their times tables in second or third grade, if we don't help them learn how to spell words or, or read when they're in first grade, then what right do we have to say, hey, uh, they're in high school now and you taught in history that, uh, you know, that the white man was the bad guy? Uh, you know, then at that point, you've already forfeited your right. You've already said, I don't care. <laughs> I haven't cared for eight years now. All of a sudden, the kids in ninth grade, I care what you're teaching them. But I didn't care before, but I care now because it's a political issue. So, so, so my, I guess my bottom line is this, that care early, start early, get involved in young people's lives. Um, it's not always easy. Sometimes they don't want you there, but get involved. Get, help them learn how to spell, you know, the I before E except after C principles and, and stuff like that. Uh, because when it starts getting to the point where all of a sudden, uh, Oh, wait a minute. I don't think they should be taught that. And you haven't cared for eight years or 10 years or whatever. I, I think you forfeited your right. All right, 9.30 on KDX. You've got to get a weather break in. Let's take one phone call before the weather break. Hey, thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Um, I, I heard a, a couple times this week on in the newspaper, didn't hear anything on your radio station, but um, the, the uh, prominent, prominent religion here in Utah, I see they have paid a $250 million payment to somebody regarding the Boy Scouts. Do you know anything about that? No, I, I don't, but I could certainly look into it if you'd like me to. Do you, uh... I'd like to look into it, and, and if, if there's anybody else that has something to do with uh, the, the, abu- the, 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 the abuses in, in um, the Boy Scouts, and uh, it, it just seems like $250 million from uh, this prominent church, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I know that there was a huge lawsuit against the Boy Scouts of America from, yeah. uh, I think, a class action from multiple defendants about, you know, about abuse, uh, leaders abusing kids and stuff. Uh, I'm not sure how the uh, church factors into that, uh, but it's certainly something worth looking into. I will say this before we look into any of that, though. I was a Boy Scout. I never once had anybody do anything inappropriate to me. So, uh, and, and I, I loved the Boy Scouts. I loved being a Boy Scout. I thought it was a great experience. So, Well, I always thought the Boy Scouts were 
have a bunch of sissy birches. And uh, <laughs> I found that um, most um, most parents, they did their, they, 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 the parents, they, 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 they did all the, all the merit badge work and they were really proud of it. But, uh, you know, the Boy Scouts were basically sissy birches because they'd get out of, they'd get out of, Boy Scouts, and hell, they wouldn't progress anything be, 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 be behind that. So, anyway. Mm. All right, interesting I, I, I'd like to know about this $250 million. Okay, we'll look into it. Thank you for the call today. Welcome to Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. Time to call in with your gripes, opinions, theories, and conspiracies. Here's your chance. Don't blow it. Only on News Radio 890 949, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. All right, anybody that knows me knows I'm a pretty low stress guy. I don't get stressed out very often. Uh, issues come. I get fired up occasionally, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a roll with the punches guy. In fact, I, one of the greatest compliments I ever received in my life, my brother said uh, something to, to the effect of me. Uh, this was about 15 years ago. He said, he said, dude, why are you so mellow? <laughs> I was like, well, thank you. And he said, I didn't mean that as a compliment. I, I, I think he really did. But, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty mellow guy. I don't get stressed out. But I got to tell you, I'm a little stressed out about what's going on down at the Mexico, the Texas-Mexico border. Um, the, the, the administration, our, our government, our federal government has decided that they need more restrictions on who can even work down there and what they can do. They took their horses away because of an incident where they – I don't even want to get into it, but uh, they were using horses to try to herd the the illegal immigrants, uh, and uh, and some video leaked, viral video. Seems like our whole world is ru- ru- ruled by viral video lately. But uh, now they're telling all our border agents that they must be vaccinated by I think it's a month and a half from now, by November twentieth or something like that, or they will be fired. They must have the vaccine in their bodies, or they will be fired, and that's really. Uh, the issue of the day right now had uh, Mike Lee on, and uh, I want to play a little segment from Mike Lee here in a minute, but it is Open Line Friday, so let's go to the phone lines first. Hey, thanks for calling today. What's on your mind? Well, good morning. Morning. Long time no talk. Everything going all right? Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, to go along with that real quick, and then I'll talk about it. So you have to be vaccinated to work down there, but you can come across the border illegally with COVID and they won't let, and they won't do a thing about it, but give you benefits. They won't even test you. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Well, of course it does. This is, this is all per. Come on. You just got to think like a leftist and then it'll all make perfect sense. I know it'll give you a migraine, but anyhow, I don't think I can so, do that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, and I cannot find this woman's name, but apparently there's a nomination from the moderate Joe Biden administration for a woman to take charge somewhere in the Fed, the Mm. federal banking system. No, no. This woman's a devout communist. She praises the communist monetary system, and she's saying that all private banks should transfer our private citizens' money into the Federal Reserve for the government to take care of it. And they want to give this woman some authority? They want her in charge of federal banking. Oh, boy. This is a Biden nominee. And like I said, I, I can't find her name. I'm still trying to find it. And when I do find it, I'll call in and get it out there. But then at the same time, um, does the name Tracy Stone Manning ring a bell? Mm, 
No, I don't think so. Tracy Stone Manning is another good, wonderful moderate brought to us compliments of the Biden administration. <laughs> uh, that's tongue-in-cheek, uh, right? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> great woman. Fantastic woman. Um, in fact, she's been nominated to run the Bureau of Land Management. Uh-oh. That, that hits close to home here. Yeah, considering this woman was very, very, very involved in a group called Earth First. Uh-oh. So she's a... That's full of eco-terrorists. Yeah. This woman was actively involved in spiking trees so that loggers could get injured or killed in order to stop uh, tree harvesting. So save the trees, kill the people. That was her attitude. Yeah, pretty much. And, and the Biden administration wants her in charge of the, the Bureau of Land Management. You know, it's funny you say Biden administration. I fully 100% believe Biden is not in charge of his own administration. I think he's out to lunch permanently. Uh, okay. who, who would you say is calling these shots then? Well, um, after an interview I heard, I think it's Barack Hussein Obama. Really? Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who it was. I believe it was, a, it was either a CNN or an MSNBC interview, PMSNBC. Um, and Obama was sitting there talking about, oh, I would absolutely love to have a little microphone and somebody up there with an earpiece, and I'm just calling the shots from behind the scenes. Wow. wow. Look it up. The, the interview is out there, and it will chill you. You know, you watch his body language and everything, and, yeah, I, I personally think that we're in the third term of Obama. Hmm. So... Anyhow, but uh, and then I would just do you it know, quickly, and then I'll get off the phone. I would like to give the Hypocrite of the Week award to John Francois Carey. <laughs> yeah, he, he could win it every week, couldn't he? Oh, yes. <laughs> this was a doozy. He was in front of a group of youth to save the climate up there giving a speech talking about we need to do this five times faster, and we need to do that five times faster, and we need to build electric cars 22 times faster, and we need to do this 12 times faster. The one thing he forgot to tell all these kids in the room was his little private chartered jet jaunt probably created more carbon emissions and greenhouse gases than all of those kids will in a lifetime. Yep. Yep. Learjet, private private jet, flying around. He's got What does he have, like 29 cars or something like that, all of them gas cars? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and it's not a Learjet. It's like a Boeing 750. Oh, it's a big one. Wow. Yeah. It's not a Learjet. But what? really put him on such a small confined aircraft oh no 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 (laughs) it's at least a boeing 757 wow wow air force carry huh or carry force one yeah and so you know i just uh, again you know to all the all the little uh democrats out there that think you did so great and uh take a look around i mean i don't know if you mind paying 180 percent more for gas and having all these people talk about how they want it to go even higher. And every time you turn around, they want to spend more and more trillions of dollars. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but during the four years of Donald Trump, every time Trump would mention spending money on the military or anything, aren't these the same people that scream bloody murder about how dare you bust our budget? Yeah, yeah, same people, same hypocrites. Oh, yeah, yeah, the same ones that spent all that time during the campaign. Why, I'm never going to take that vaccine. Yeah. And now, Now, those are the same people forcing you to stick it in your arm. Yep, same people. All right, Hans, thanks. All right. Appreciate you calling today. 
Oh, man, the hypocrisy. I, I mean, you know, it, they don't even try to hide it anymore. Nancy Pelosi going to the hair salon when it was supposed to be closed because, well, she's different. Uh, John Kerry, you know, you know flying around the, the, the world in, in a, a jet, a big jet. Uh, uh, you know, it, it actually it, it boggles the mind, the hubris, the, the, the hypocrisy of these people. And yet uh, we just give them a pass, I, I guess. I mean, maybe not you and I personally, but the world gives them a pass. The country gives ah oh, no, it's okay. They can behave that way because they're on a crusade to save us all. <laughs> no, no, they're not. They're on a crusade to do exactly what they're doing, which is get very, very, very rich. Uh, all right. I read something yesterday called 17 Inches. 17 inches. I want to talk about that when uh, when we return shortly on the program. I'll start with a quick uh, ad for Joe Shoney, loan consultant serving Southern Utah for two and a half decades. Joe, uh, his uh, NMLS number is 121041. His specialty is customer service. Call Joe today at 435-590-6300. Right now it's the Andy Griffin Show, 947 on KDX. You've got to squeeze a couple of things in here. Uh, before the end of the program. Again, you can still call, too, if you want to be part of the program. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'm going to start telling the story about 17 inches. Uh, all right, there's a guy. Uh, his name is uh, Coach Sperry. I don't know. I didn't catch the first name on him, but uh, he said he was attending a baseball convention. It was a convention for coaches of baseball at all levels, from Little League to Major League uh, and everything in between, college, high school, minor league, etc. And uh, he said he was pretty excited because uh, this was his first convention. This was about 20-something years ago, 25 years ago. Uh, And as he waited in line to register with the hotel staff for for the convention, he'd arrived there, he'd flown, I think it was in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, he heard some of the other coaches saying, hey, John Scalinos is here. John Scalinos is here. Oh, sweet. All right. Cool. Now, he had never heard of John Scalinos, didn't know who he was, never heard him speak. But he's like, well, if these guys think he's pretty good, uh, fine. I, I don't know who he is, but whatever. Uh, so they went through a couple of their workshops and thing, and then, and then it came uh, time for a uh, uh, keynote speaker. Uh, in 1996, Scalinos was 78 years old. He'd been retired from college coaching, had an incredible career as a, as a college football coach, or a college baseball coach, rather. Uh, and he was the keynote speaker for this particular uh, session of this baseball camp. And you're like, all right, enough sport. No, this isn't about sports. This is about life. Uh, Scalinos, at 78 years old, gets up to the podium, and he's got a chain around his neck. And hanging from the chain is home plate. And you know home plate is kind of that uh, odd shape. It looks like an upside-down house, right? So he's, he's got a, a stark white bleached home plate hanging around his neck. Now, this Coach Sperry guy's like, uh-oh, okay, 78 years old. He's wearing a gigantic home plate necklace. This might get a little bit weird. And then Sperry goes on to quote from Scalinos. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Stay with me on this. Uh, this is Scalinos. He says, you probably are all wondering why I'm wearing home plate around my neck, or maybe you think I escaped from the state hospital. I may be old, he says, but I'm not crazy. The reason I stand before you today is to share with you baseball people what I've learned in my life, what I've learned about home plate in my 78 years. 
So Scalino Sand uh, Interactive, you know, remember there's several, there's hundreds of coaches in this in this auditorium. And he says, "All right, any little league coaches in the room?" And a few hands went up and he said, "All right, coaches, how wide is home plate? I'm wearing home plate around my neck. How wide is home plate uh, in little league?" And after a few minutes, somebody says, "Ah, about 17 inches." And and Coach Scalino says, "That's right." Now, how many high school coaches do we have in the building? And uh, quite a few coaches raised their hand and said, how wide is home plate in high school baseball? Well, so, some of them said, well, it's, it's 17 inches. He's like, that's right. College coaches, how wide is home plate in college? It's uh, 17 inches. And finally he says, all right, minor league, pro ball, major leaguers, how wide is the baseball uh, home plate in professional baseball? 17 inches. He said, that's right. And what do they do with a big league pitcher who can't throw the ball over 17 inches? They set him to Pocatello. (laughs) What they don't do is this. They don't say, ah, that's okay, Jimmy. You can't hit a 17-inch target. We'll make it 18 or 19. We'll make it 20. Or I'll tell you what, if you're still having trouble, we'll, we'll widen it to 25 inches just for you, Jimmy. What, what do we do when our best player shows up late to practice, when our team rules forbid facial hair and a guy shows up unshaven? What if he gets caught drinking? Or Do we hold him accountable or do we change the rules to fit him? Do we widen home plate? Now, the crowd at this point was fully engaged in uh, Coach Scalinos' uh, 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 narration. He said, this is, uh, he took the home plate and he turned it upside down, pulled a Sharpie out, and he drew a front door and a chimney on home plate. He said, this is the problem in our homes today. With our marriages, with the way we parent our kids, with our discipline, we don't teach accountability to our kids, and there is no consequence for failing to meet standards. We just widen the plate. And then he scraped off or rubbed off the uh, chimney and he put an American flag. And he said, you know what? This is the problem in our schools today. The quality of our education is going downhill fast, and teachers that have been stripped of the tools they need to be successful because they're not allowed to discipline our young people. We're allowing others to widen home plate, and where is that getting us? Then he replaced, then he rubbed out the uh, American flag and put a cross on top of home plate. He said, this is the problem in church where powerful people in positions of authority have taken advantage of young children only to have such an atrocity swept under the rug for years. Our church leaders are widening home plate. At this point, Coach Sperry's like kind of amazed. He's like, wait, I I came to learn about maybe how to lay down a better bun or how to run a better practice. And I'm finding that I'm learning something far more valuable from an old man with a home plate strung around his neck. He said, I'm learning something about life, about myself, about my own weaknesses and my own responsibilities as a leader. Coach Galinos concluded, he said, if I'm lucky, you will remember one thing from this old coach today. It is this. If we fail to hold ourselves to a higher standard, a standard of what we know to be right, if we fail to hold our spouses and our children to the same standards, if we are unwilling or unable to provide a consequence when they do not meet the standard, throw the ball over those 17 inches. And if our schools and churches and our government fail to hold themselves accountable to those they serve, there is but one thing to look forward to. He then turned the home plate around on the other side 
it was pitch black. He said, dark days are ahead. Now, Coach Scalinos died in 2009 at the age of 91, but not before touching the lives of hundreds of players and coaches, including Coach Sperry. He said, meeting him at the first ABCA convention kept me returning year after year looking for similar wisdom from other coaches, but none of them quite measured up. But the message was clear from Coach Scalinos. Coaches, keep your players, no matter how good they are, your own children, and most of all, keep yourself at 17 inches. Words to live by. All right, talked with Mike Lee yesterday. Here he is. Senator Mike Lee on the line with me right now. Mike, how are you today? Doing great. It's good to be with you. Thank you for fighting the good fight out there. In fact, I thought I'd throw you a curveball and ask you what your favorite superhero is. Uh, well, well, we've got you on the line, Mike. Well, look, nobody beats Superman. I've got All a right. lot of favorite ones. Superman's cool. He's got a cape. He can fly. Uh, it's pretty impressive. And, and you know, everybody's like, well, he can't be invisible. But Superman goes so fast, he's kind of like he's invisible anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's exactly right. And according to one of those Superman movies, he can actually reverse time. That's right. By going counter to the clerk's, the, the Earth's rotation. Uh, I don't know if it works out scientifically, but it worked in the movie. <laughs> You're right about that. You're right about that. Again, thanks, uh, Mike, for coming on today. Uh, you're fighting a big fight out there, uh, and I love what you're doing. At, at round one, I guess, they, they struck you down, but you're, you keep fighting the good fight because uh, even though you may or may not believe in the vaccination, you do believe in, well, us our, our freedom to choose, Mike. I, I absolutely do. And, look, I've had the vaccine. My entire family's gotten the vaccine. Uh, I, I believe that the vaccine is going to help uh, probably the overwhelming majority of people. But it's none of the government's business to force you to do that. Look, we got rid of our king back in 1776. Yeah. And lamentably, President Biden seems to think he can rule by decree when it comes to va- vaccine mandates. And, uh, of course, he can't. But, you know, he insultingly said this isn't about freedom or personal choice. Uh, but our, our, our founders made clear uh, with the very few and defined powers of the federal government, that every exercise of federal authority comes at the cost of the freedom and the choices of the people. But we've got to push back on this because he doesn't have any authority to do this. The federal government broadly doesn't have the authority to do this. If you were going to issue a mandate, historically and constitutionally speaking, it would need to be a, a state government that could do that. Now, we could debate the policy merits of that. I still don't think it's the best idea to use government authority to force people to do it. But if you were going to do that, you would need to be at a state level and not at the federal level. And if you're going to do it at the federal level, the president cannot act alone. Yeah, that's what Congress is for. For for crying out loud, I want to say, Mike, uh, you know, we, we had a little sampling of some of the mandates last year when there were some mask mandates. There was, I mean, they mandated closing schools and things like that. And I think Americans at first were, were really tentative, like, well, maybe that's what's best for us. But I think, like you, Mike, I think Americans are starting to wake up and say, wait a minute, you can't just tell us that we can't do stuff. That's un-American. That's right. The American people are very cooperative. They're very civic-minded. They care about their neighbors. And for that reason, when a crisis arises, they want to help. But the American people aren't aren't there to serve at the will and whim of their government. Uh, That gets the relationship exactly backwards. The government's there to serve us, not the other way around. That was Mike Lee yesterday. Talked with him for about five minutes. 
Uh, he he had more to say, but again, uh, we're getting late in the program. Did want to take a couple of phone calls before we, we go. Hey, thanks for calling in today. Oop, they just hung up. Oh, just missed you. If you want to call back, I think Tom was on the line. Uh, go ahead and give me a call back at 673-5890. We'd uh, love to have you. Uh, as we wrap up the show, I want to throw a couple of plugs your way. I, I, I've got a, a fun and interesting weekend coming up. Oh, there we go. He's back. All right. Uh, yeah, you hung up right before I was going to get to you. What's up? Yeah, I got cold feet. <laughs> don't do that. Fire away. Okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've called him before. I don't, I don't know uh, if anybody around here wants to hear what I have to say about this sports thing, but my son, who's a really good guy, really good athlete, has had problems doing and acting in a fashion that you kind of prescribed in the John Scanino thing, and it's backfired on him badly because, you know, people just don't want to deal with that you know you got a kid out there trying to achieve at a high level and it rubs a lot of people the wrong way you know we come into town and you know people kind of i won't say ganged up on him but he didn't get the opportunities that other kids got so he pushed a little harder pushed a little harder now got about 20 seconds here well he's he's been attacked by coaches and He's had his class schedules changed by coaches and just some dirty things happening that shouldn't be happening to a kid who, you know, gets straight A's and achieves at a high level, you know, because he wants more from himself and from the people around him. He's been ostracized. All right. Thanks for the call. Got to run. Appreciate that. Uh, Time now for news. I'll be back on Monday. But, hey, come say hi to me at the marathon tomorrow.